ESPN LA Kamenetsky Brothers podcast. Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky. It is Thursday the 29th, I 29th? believe. 29th. Man, time flies. Andy. 28th, I'm sorry. 28th, 28th of Doesn't September. fly that fast. It flies, though. I mean, man alive. I remember when it was June and July and there was nothing to talk about. Or that, Well, there was. That was the draft. But uh, Anywho. <laughs> You understand what I was getting at. Mm-hmm. Um, so media day, <laughs> not entirely, but if it moves, yeah, us I mean, al- I mean, if it moves us along, sure. But my point is, you know, it's like there was a point at which there was nothing going on. Now there's stuff going on because Monday, Andy was media day, and um, they have spent the summer working real hard trying. It's different. Everything is different. Everything. I, I bought it. Like when you when you walk into the new facility, the new the new building makes such a massive difference in terms of projecting something. Like this real tangible symbol of the Lakers moving into the modern era, it, it th- there was such a different feel this year at Media Day than any that I've ever covered, um, in terms of like even like optimism and, and a different feeling and all that kind of stuff. It was very different to me. Well, I mean, certainly since the days when the Lakers were contending, I mean, there obviously was an excitement back, you know, when Kobe and Powell were, you know, anchoring these, you know, championship contending teams. But ever since that, basically since like the D'Antoni years onward, there's a new there's a newness that is. I mean, stupid way of putting it, new. I mean, just in the sense that there wasn't anything almost by definition, right? But I mean, there wasn't necessarily before anything especially different, um, as much as there was excitement in the past. I just I it, it, the Lakers have been weighed down by this idea for the last few years, certainly the last few years, but even going back a little farther than that, you know, even the criticisms of Kobe were that he was a pre, you know, a great player, but pre-modern in in a lot of different ways and stuff, and. It's that it was there was a it's like a symbolic nature of moving into this place, but I would even say during the championship years, the feeling of excitement and stuff was different because the expectations were show me. You were always ready for controversy. You were waiting for something. Um, you know the the expectations were high. It's like prove this or you're going to get hammered. This feels like the kind of the embodiment of the type of optimism the Lakers have been trying to generate for the last couple of years in a much better form. Yeah, I guess so, except this, this is also, too, a prove-it situation as well. I mean, if there's ever been a team set up for backlash, it's this one right now. Between all the hype with Lonzo, the way Magic and Palenka have, you know, have turned into essentially preachers on the pulpit every time they talk about this team, if there's and you know the the air you can feel the Laker exceptionalism in the air, which means you're trying are, to bring it back, right? Which means you are you are pu- already the Lakers have essentially placed themselves at the top of the mountain again before they've even done anything. Which means there's going to be a lot of people looking to push you off, right? It. But the difference is this year they only have to right. To, I, mean, to, look, to I don't want to get, I don't want to get to, in the weeds of it. I'm right, just they saying only have to get to 35 wins and that you know and that that looks good. It, it will look good to some people. It's not going to look good to everybody. Because, again, I mean, once the hype machine is in full effect, the more that machine is running, the harder it is to meet that hype. But either way, I agree with you. It's definitely an optimistic air. The new facility is absolutely gorgeous. I mean, it, by comparison, I, the first reaction I had when I walked in there, because Media Day was the first time I'd ever seen it, Yeah, my reaction was I never realized how comparatively, you know, all these Lakers like Kobe and, and, and Shaq and Powell, they were essentially living like me. Like it was like the equivalent of living like me 
compared to this new right, facility, which is it's just phenomenal. Yeah, it's beautiful. Also, um, too, by the way, uh, for people who aren't aware, you know, there's this huge court in the middle, and then over, like essentially above and over the next floor are all these offices where different Lakers can see what's going on on the court. Yeah. So basically. You best never screw it's, around it because is, th- there are always people watching. Right, and it's 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 basically a gigantic version of like what they used to have. In this sense, it might have been a good idea for D'Angelo to get traded. Right, but, like, <laughs> but they used to have the setup. <laughs> I don't know if he would have thrived in this building. <laughs> too, many, too many eyeballs. Uh, but they used to have that setup where, you know, Jeannie Buss could look out. You could see the trophies there, and that was Jeannie's office. And, you know, the, Mitch could stand out there, or Magic, whoever it was, could stand out there and, and watch or whatever. But, you know... 80% of the wall space was wall. Yeah. <laughs> now it's like there no there are folks everywhere and it's I was talking to somebody in the in the media relations department yesterday we were doing some stuff for for the station and um I asked him you know, just about where the guys are going and he's like because well, it's two days right now and he said well yeah, generally speaking guys are I think are hanging out and just sticking around eating lunch relaxing before the next practice. And that's that's the idea. Yeah, this place is. No, you won't leave. It is designed to be Vegas. Yeah, there's a in players' the sense, lounge right, in the sense that Vegas doesn't want you contacting the outside world. The Wi-Fi is a little sketchy in this place. Like even like when you have it in there and you're connected, again, they don't want you communicating if you're a Laker with the outside world. They want you in this building, and they've done everything they possibly can to keep you there. But I, you said something interesting that I want to, and it's rare that that I want to go back to though before we go on. You really don't think that if they get to 35 wins from what was it last year 26 26 27 So they go to 20 if they go from 26 to 35 35 you know 34 35 36 you don't think that's going to be seen by most people as a a, a strong improvement um, off of last year, it depends on you know, how th- it depends on how they get there, why they get there, how much how much of it is purely Lonzo, but also too 35, 36, 35 or thirty six wins doesn't make you automatically looking like a team that's going to get two A list free uh, free agents joining in the off season. Well, right, right but, but the only way, but, uh, but that's but that's likely part of, the only that's way part of that. That's let me finish. Yeah. You asked me, sure, you asked me. That's part of the hype, though, is that this team is already. What you guys talking about? The Lakers. Oh, cool! <laughs> Raj Groves, the producer, <laughs> the producer of uh, Keyshawn L, uh, George and LZ. George and LZ. He is correct. They do play Saturday. Yes, they do. That's again. There is so much hype and so much Lakers exceptionalism going on that I don't know if thirty-five or thirty-six wins. If you're asking me, if I consider that a huge step forward, the answer is yes. Mm-hmm. I'm not one of the guys that's part of really the hype machine, so it depends on who you're asking. But again, like I don't know if that automatically gives you a situation where the Lakers become this fait accompli for LeBron or Paul George or I guess well, Boogie Westbrook, right. whatever. And again, that's part of maybe, the hype. Maybe not Boogie. <laughs> that's part <laughs> of the hype, Boogie. though. I the I guess the, the the what made me surprised by that is in, at least in my head, the only possible way they can get to thirty five wins is Ingram plays well, Lonzo looks good. Nance improves. Like, there's just no other way to do it without that happening. And so, you know, I, I if Lonzo looks good and Ingram improves, they they are as far along in the is LeBron coming, will Paul George come as they can possibly get. 
That's as far as he can right, go. Right, but, but the difference, though, is before this has been all narrative mm-hmm. and just and just really fun to imagine. It's conspiracy-laden. You think about tampering. It's it's fun to imagine. <laughs> Apparently that wasn't a conspiracy. <laughs> <laughs> but... But then once the season's done, you have the actual you have the actual facts in front of you, and the hype doesn't necessarily the hype doesn't necessarily move the narrative in the same way. I understand. That's all, that's I, all I'm saying. saying. Look saying. again, I would consider that a massive step forward, but I'm I'm not I'm not who I'm talking about here. That's fair. I I, I think I think you might be over worrying that, but we'll, you know we'll see. We'll find out. I mean, obviously, I mean the, the real problem comes if they win twenty five. That's, sure. that's problematic. Um, all right, so the the emphasis, um, and Lonzo looks like Jello. Sure, I mean, <laughs> I mean, at that point, you know, it all becomes a move. Jello's the bad one, right? Uh, I hate to say it, but uh, if you listen to the people who follow high school sports, because I guess they're degenerates. Yeah, uh, yes, I feel bad for you. Like we make it sound now like Jello literally can't dribble. <laughs> he just carries a basketball. He's like us, right? <laughs> <laughs> and just drops, and falls over. Um, so the the emphasis early in the in the first few days of practice has not surprisingly Andy been on defense. Um, every drill they've done up until I think Wednesday night they finally scrimmaged and, and played against each other and all that stuff. But it's all been defensive. It's all been that and and yeah. I are... saw actually the first day. I think it was the first day of of uh, media availability. Uh, Ingram was asked by somebody if this team has uh, if if this team's improved its defensive mentality. Really, I so bad <laughs> no, I so badly wanted him just to respond. I, I think we're good. <laughs> we got it. I mean, if, if it ain't broke, my man, <laughs> don't fix they it. They really asked that. Like, someone did. I mean, come it's on, been guys. It's been. <laughs> They, they were I, on the I floor just, for an hour. And I a half. just wanted him to respond to like, why would we need to improve it? Yeah. What do you mean? Improve from what? Um, as we know, the Lakers have been a tire fire on that side of the ball for the last few seasons. Did they? Imp- I'm looking it up last year. Did they improve from the year before, where they, are, I believe, were totally last? No, um, I don't think so. If they did, it was negligible. Mar- at marginal. Best. Yeah. Um, let's see here. They no, no, they were they were dead last in defensive yes. uh, defensive rating according to yes. Basketball Reference. Yes, uh, it's hard to get lower than that. So. And the the hope is, you know, I thought, Lynn, we can't play the sound because our sound machine is broken. But um, Luke Walton was asked about Brandon Ingram, like, will this will this be the year Brandon Ingram becomes an elite defensive player? And he kind of did. I think he resisted the temptation that I had on the question that you've talked about before, which was really <laughs> been here an hour. He's 12. Um, but he said he will be at some point in his career. I'd love it for, for it to happen this year. But. You know, really, he just needs to get better. And that's kind of all of them. The foundation is sort of there if you think about physical tools. Lonzo is very long and very smart. Not great side to side, but very very long, very smart. Ingram takes up an enormous amount of space. Um, Randall's activity, they hope this year, given the unbelievable shape. He looks in. fantastic. I mean, I, I would I would be wearing very few clothes. You know what's amazing? I mean, side note, what is amazing? I mean, they, they've spent this entire off season, you know, emphasizing fitness, 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 fat shaming you know, the crap out of right, people. lowering body fat, lowering body fat. Every every player looks great. Magic looks the best he's looked since Showtime. Like everybody 
on this oh, yeah. staff. And it's and like, everybody. And, and Rob Polinka is out there openly calling for people to objectify his players. Mm-hmm. Look at Larry Nance's shoulders. He said, "Yeah, you know, like the, the 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 sculpting of all these." It's like okay, um, <laughs> feeling a little uncomfortable if I if I were them. But you know, so they they're they hired cat callers. <laughs> <laughs> Look at you, Larry. Um, so you know they've got activity in Larry Nance, who's got feeling some fries to go with that shake, Larry. <laughs> <laughs> you know they nickname Ivica Zubats eight percent now because he's down from nineteen. I mean, I when mean, when they bounced that quarter off KCP's ass, I was like, wow, you guys are really, really taking this far. Yeah, I just. It was funny. I, I asked Tyler Ennis, like, what his favorite ice cream flavor was or whatever, like, something like that. We were just talking about, again, stuff we're doing for the station. And I was like, you guys aren't allowed to have that stuff anymore. He's like, no. <laughs> Can't have anything. Um, but anyway, you're right. Yeah, everybody looks every, terrific. Everybody looks terrific. So they're hoping that the, the activity is there to improve the defense. And the length is there. They've got, you know, KCP who can take some of the the more difficult, at least in theory. Numbers didn't work for KCP last year. But we're going to ignore that when we talk about him being a great defender. The other thing that I think doesn't, will get talked about more, how they're going to play, and this is, I think, a huge impact of Lonzo. I think if they can play at the pace that they want to play at, and and Lonzo plays well, and teams are going to be scared of him, they will get off the offensive glass, and Lakers were terrible on that side of the ball last couple years, have been giving up way too many offensive rebounds second chance points and all that teams are going to leave and they're going to get back because they're worried about Lonzo and they'll be so focused on making him play in the half court. The Lakers are going to see, I think if everything goes well, many more one and done situations on their own end where they don't even have to contest a rebound. They're just going to get it. If they can force a tough shot that will help them defensively. It's a, it's a Lonzo on offense effect of having him around. Yeah, I mean, as as long as they can play at that pace without getting sloppy. And I think that's going to be the hardest part for a really young team. And, you know, as as good as you think Lonzo can be, and he obviously has great court vision, he's still young. And young players tend to be sloppy, and young players running an offense often can be really sloppy, depending on the type of tempo that we're talking about. And this one is going to be really, sure. really fast. They have to make sure that they don't get sloppy because if they turn the ball over, unless the ball happens to go out of bounds, that's how I would they, encourage they them are, to do it. They are going, yeah. I mean, if you're going to turn the ball over, <laughs> throw it into the eighth. No, row. for real. I mean, yeah, you, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. You kidding. need to turn the hell out of it because if they end up on their heels, this team is going to be disastrous in transition. Yeah, it's funny. The Lakers were sixth last year in pace and uh, tied, actually tied for fifth with Philly, and 98, 98 and a half possessions per per uh, per one hundred, however they measure it, per game or whatever it is. They're going to try to crank that up, but there are like nine other teams around the league all talking about playing exactly sure. the same way. So, everywhere, like for the Lakers to jump up to one, two, three in pace, they're probably going to have to probably have to go, you know, three or four, or five possessions faster yeah. than they did last. Which year. again can which again can leave your it can leave your defense in peril. Yeah, I mean, it can put your defense in in danger. I, I used to say regularly last year that you know without consulting with ESPN stats and info. The Lakers must lead the league in avoidable turnovers, like avoidable, unnecessary turnovers. The really dumb stuff. Right. And, you know, that may end up changing with a few more veterans on the team. And in particular, you know, if Lonzo can really make the type of decisions that everybody thinks he's capable of, 
But that's that's the potential downside with the type of pace that they want to play at. It, it is, but defensively, I, over, overall, I think it's going to be much better. I, I, I agree, I, and I think they do have an the. The way the roster is set up for this, and Luke talked about it on Wednesday at practice, the way the roster is set up for them to run, you know, why they're doing it this way is because of the personnel. If you, you know, in the presumed starting five, um, you know, Lopez, not a, the, actually Lopez, you can remove him from the equation because he's a terrible rebounder anyway, um, but he's not a bad passer. He can move the ball. If he gets it, he can pass the ball well, but. You know, Lonzo can obviously take and go. Randall can take and he loves go. To. KCP can take and go. He can move the ball. You know, they actually have in that first unit at least a lot of Ingram can move. You know, and Ingram can handle the ball and go. So they have. It doesn't. It shouldn't matter who gets a rebound. Lonzo's going to be where he's going to right. He's going to magically appear like Wayne Gretzky to take the ball and go up floor if he doesn't have it already. And the Lakers are going to totally encourage him to get on the defensive glass just to speed that process. It will help them that everybody, at least in that unit, is capable. Uh, you, you can't just be like, well, I'll watch Lonzo and not worry about the other guys. Everyone can go. So I think that's actually their best chance to make a big impact uh, defensively is by having a very threatening transition offense. But we'll see. Uh, other news from Magic this week. He made a little bit of, uh, ha- made a few headlines by talking about Jordan Clarkson as a potential six-man of the year candidate. Um, let's break this into two things. First of all, is that realistic? No. I agree. <laughs> it's not realistic on on a couple counts. One, I don't know if Jordan Clarkson is truly as good as some of the other players who are going to be in that discussion. I know I what you're going to say. I just he is not. That's how you phrase these yes. things. Um, but the other the other no, bigger not. the other bigger problem is nobody ever wins this award unless you're part of a winning team, and the Lakers are not going to be a 500 plus team. I wouldn't think so. And- I mean. If and, they and are, to his wow. credit, you know, it, if I've said it before, if the Lakers are threatening for a playoff spot, LeVar Ball is a sorcerer because he keeps calling these things and they keep happening. The the one and, and to his credit, Clarkson said that yesterday. He's like, it's really a team award. Like, if, if I can't win it unless we're winning games. You know, Lonzo is going to have trouble winning Rookie of the Year unless we win games. It's not necessarily true, but good for him for saying it. Um, no, rookie of the year rarely is part of a winning team. Right. <laughs> how they get there. Um, so, you know, the, there's a consciousness of it. I mean, I don't think Magic was thinking of that when he was talking up Clarkson. Well, sometimes Magic just talks. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, he understands. It's how they got in tampering trouble. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Magic <laughs> understands, I think, the dynamics of a team and, and group goals and all that kind of stuff. And it's very possible he wanted Clarkson to understand and the team to understand Everyone gets their individual accolades if sure. we succeed as there's a team. There's nothing wrong with Magic wrong saying with, it. No, there's nothing wrong with it at all. It's also great. Set a high goal. Right. You're not going to get it, but set a high goal. The other thing is... It could... Go ahead. I'm not sure Clarkson can be around all year. I was going to say, <laughs> what, what, what this really could mean is Magic speaking to his confidence in being able to unload Clarkson to a team with a 500 better record. Right, or making it so, you know, they're they're really trying to pump up the value of Clarkson. Well, I'm just saying, I mean, he, he, may, he did not specifically say that he would win sixth man of the year as a member of the Lakers. That's right. He just, he he just said sixth man of the year. You know, the because li- wherever Clarkson goes, he's probably going to be playing off the bench. He could be a sixth man on a lot of teams. This uh, better than the Lakers. You know, the summer of 2018, which is obviously 
um, cost the Lakers half a million dollars in terms of how important it is. Um, there's still salary that needs to be moved. And Clarkson and Randall, who is up for an extension, are the guys who are talked about the most. Of those two, the guy who is far more capable of playing himself into a situation where you say, I don't, I realize this complicates things. We got to figure out how to keep him it's around. It's Randall, and there's no question. There's no question. Clarkson is a good player, but, but he, he is imminently replaceable. He is of the the core guys, the media guide, you know, players that they had last year and I'm all that. I'm sure he's on it anymore. He won't be. <laughs> the media guide is just a gigantic picture of Lonzo. I mean, yeah, the, front <laughs> and back, front and back, and all the pages in the middle um, that aren't of Levar. <laughs> they should Clarkson put Levar. If they put Levar in the media guy, like that would actually be a wonderful. Just like the Lakers in on the joke, if they just put Levar on the media guide cover, no, Maybe no the Lakers, cover. Maybe no the, the cover. cover, no, no, I'm you just put him on the it, cover. I think I would go in. No it. cover. The cover. Cover. cover feels like much, but that would be a bold statement. It would be a bold statement, but that, again, that would be the Lakers saying, we're in on it, too. We get it. Right. Clarkson, it's all ridiculous. Clarkson is the guy that I think you look around the league, and everybody kind of knows what he is. And the Lakers do need him to play well to be able to move him without having to throw in other stuff or take anything back. Um, I, I think they're going to try to pump him up sure as much as they possibly can and talk him up around to try to improve his value around the league sure i mean look last I year i don't think helped him jordan you know i, I, don't I was last year helped clarkson at all i don't i don't think last year's i don't think a lot i don't think really i don't know if jordan clarkson has truly been helped in the league since his first season where he was such a surprise like you know he like came out of nowhere when byron scott finally started playing him you know when he i guess byron was dropping the illusion that this team was playing for anything you know at that point i think they were in 15th place right. the West. and they also had seven healthy players right but you know and clarkson really really played well unexpectedly since then though i don't really think clarkson has evolved as a player or grown as a player at all some of this though i in fairness to jordan his role has been very inconsistent year to year to year and right. it may help him to be in the exact same role for an entire season. You know, I mean, like last year, he started out the year as six-man, which surprised a lot of people, even though it made a lot of I mean, sense. It's a smart thing to do. But then, you know, the last 20 or so games, they were doing the experiment with him, you know, running the point, which I know some of this was taking a look at uh, D'Angelo off-ball. But at the same time, though, it's... <laughs> taking a look at D'Angelo off-roster. Right. But st- at the same time, though, you're still messing with that consistency with Jordan. And and I do think that's gotten in the way, at least potentially, just, in his development. It does. I mean, I, if nothing else, in terms of his marketability, it helps to be known like by that. You have label, a niche. That's your thing. Right. And sixth man is such an identifiable thing, and it doesn't have the stigma that it used to. Like, no, fifteen or so. No, years now ago. it's kind of hip. Yo, and, no, it's great. You know, guys have carved like Lou Williams has just that's carved his thing he owned it you know he, he talks about it like i come off the bench and i do my thing and whatever jamal crawford all these guys have kind of carved out this niche Manu um, and you know clarkson isn't going to i can't imagine a future if they are moving in the direction that they want with free agents where clarkson's here um so th- that was the other component of all this that i found interesting in terms of magic talking him up and also clarkson's sort of answer to these questions and all this stuff is because 
over the the uh, hovering over all of it is nobody really thinks you're going to be here in the long term. Whereas Randall, I, there's just you can see it either he's, way. He's he's a more productive player. He's he's a, a more a, unique player. Much more. He's he Julius Randall is harder to find. Even if even with all of his imperfections in the modern NBA sure. game, you know, I mean, you everybody always looks for that, you know, stretch four or, you know, ideally like a 3 and D four. And for the time being, Randall isn't either one of those things. But there and I think that you and I've talked about this a lot. I think that over tends to overshadow a lot of the things that Randall does really well, I agree. He's, and, he's I mean, got, if he can he's find got that the, Odom thing a little bit, where people focus on what he's not doing, and right? The difference being, is. though, Lamar Odom was a much, much better player, particularly sure. on both sides of the ball. But there's a lot that Randall does well, and I think too in this offense, you might be able to showcase it a little bit more the way they want to play, especially now with the condition. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, it can't be said enough; he looks phenomenal. He does, and I think they're hoping that his, you know. Ability to block shots, which is never, he's not going to be the kind of guy who blocks shots because he's got you bodied up and you make a move and he just blocks it. He's, he's going to come from the weak side. He's going to do, but he's so, mo- he's so mobile. And the athleticism is, is really strong. Last year, we're the- talking, he averaged 13, 13 and eight and a half last year. And yeah. that's coming off of what essentially was a, a rookie season where it was, you know, basically a double double. That's productive, and then he averaged, and then he bumped up the. He averaged almost three and a half assists a game last year. I don't care if he can't shoot. This is a guy who, at twenty-two years old, is a productive NBA player who's going to stay in this league for another thirteen years if he's healthy. I mean, it's going to be interesting. I mean, obviously, the price point matters, and and Julius Randle, no matter where he he's goes, he's going to get unless he's get he is paid. unless he is awful this year, he's going to get paid. I mean, I think you and I have been consistently higher on Randall than a lot of other people. But I do think, hopefully, I do think there's a real chance that the defensive improvement can can come this year with more experience, you know, the conditioning that he's in. It's easy to forget last year, the first month of last season, Randall was actually really good on defense. He was really switching well, they out. They all kind of were. He, like, I mean, Everything just sure, got but but broke Rand- down as the Randall in particular though looked like a much more improved player when it came to like switching and just overall awareness, and then you know like a lot of things you know the wheels just came off, but hopefully Randall can be more consistent in that regard because if he can become a better defensive presence with everything else that he does, I think you're going to be able to live with the lack of shooting, and at the very least, you're going to put the Lakers to a decision. And hopefully, if he's not a three point threat. At the very least, he 19 can be foot you know, something, something, you know, just something that can make you do something. Um, I want to quickly recommend a story on the Ringer, um, and we'll we'll tweet it out. But it's uh, about Lonzo. If you are somebody who wants to go, you know, go into a bar, go into a room, or whatever, armed with information about why Lonzo is going to be really good, go check out this piece on the Ringer um, about uh, about sort of his pedigree coming in. They have this really interesting section where they talk about how difficult it is to kind of find a comp for him because he is so absurdly modern in how he plays. Like, he took 90% of his shots last year at UCLA either from three-point range or the rim. Right. That's it. And so, like, there, it's it's he's done things so differently all the way through. He has, you know, all these assists and this impact on an offense, but with an extraordinarily low usage rate. I mean, all these, all these things that are weird and make him, make him so fascinating – um, check that out uh, at the Ringer. And then one final thing, 
Larry Nance's confidence, like remember when he came into the league and there was that kerfuffle over the Kobe tweet and all this other stuff? Yeah. And he almost he occasionally seemed apologetic, yes. almost that he was even there. He, the, and he, he had confidence. The, he believed in his talent. The but, Larry Nance introductory press conference oh my God. was hilarious. Because you could see, like, because also, too, I mean, there was the tweet in the air, but also he got a couple other things wrong during that press conference. Like, he mispronounced Tark Black's name. Yeah, like, called him Tariq. Yeah, and, like, there was just, like, all these different times where, like, Larry would say something, and then you just expect, like, oh, damn it! Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, and just, so he was, just... And he's a humble... Was he's a nice... He's a great he's a great guy, humble guy, we and all love this other stuff. But, you know, and he believed in his talent more than he kind of let yes. on. But there were times when he was sort of... All shucks about the whole thing, and on the court, extremely deferential in yes. how he played. All of that is going to be gone this year. I, I will say so. that. I will say you listen to him talk in training camp about himself um, and w- and what he believes he is in this league. It, the change from two years ago, right? Two. This mm-hmm. is third year. Two years ago is extraordinary. I and hope this, so. I think, is a direct result. First of his work, uh, second of his skill. But third, the Lakers spent a lot of time talking him up this summer. Yes, too, they did. Making it clear people are calling about Larry. Larry is one of these guys we're keeping and all these other things. And for I, I think that trickles down to guys like, you know, wait, I am part of the score. I am seen around the league as somebody people want. Well, I mean, look, and you you and I you talked see it with you him. You and I year. talked about before. Larry Larry Nance Jr., I don't know how good he's really going to be at the end of his career, mm-hmm. but he's somebody that if Pop traded for him. If the if the Spurs traded for Larry Nance Jr., he'd be in the rotation. He would oh, yeah. absolutely oh, be God. in the rotation. He'd be, he would he, thrive on the right, Spurs. Right. He he would thrive on the Warriors. Like you put him on any great team, Larry Nance Jr. will be in the rotation. He'll never be a star, but he'll be in the rotation because there are things that you want from players that he already knows how to do. Mm-hmm. But he he's he needs to be more selfish. And he I, needs I to think be that's coming. I hope that's gonna be the case. Coming. Because, you know, he had some – we talked before with Julius uh, and the Lamar Odom comparison when it came to Ju- uh, Julius's versatility. Larry's got some of that versatility, too. You know, he's, he's one of those guys that does most things reasonably well. Right, and if, he, if, he, if he can just ex- – if his, the shot becomes relatively right. consistent from outside, then he'll be exactly right. – he's Paul George Light in that regard that does a, almost everything well. But, you know, Larry's, light, Larry's but, got some of that Lamar in him in the you know the, the deferential you know not looking for a shot enough, but in the meantime he's not close to as good a player as Lamar. I mean Lamar even as frustrating as it would be at times to watch Lamar pass up shots, you would never question his impact on a game. Well, Lamar was Lamar was an extraordinarily right. talented and guy, and you need you need there are times where you don't feel Larry's impact on a mm-hmm. game. Like you will forget that he played even though he played twenty four minutes, right? And a lot of that comes down to him just passing up open shots. You know, looking for a better one or just not being aggressive, he needs to be more aggressive. Yeah. I hope I hope that talk matches the walk. I think so. But the, the biggest difference I think between Lamar and and Larry is Lamar, as much as we stuck up for him and you remind people, look at what he's doing, not what he's not. He still is a guy I think you can fairly say left talent on the table in regards to what he was in the NBA. He could have been yeah. something more. Larry is going. I don't know what his max is, but whatever Larry's ceiling is, he's going to hit it. Like oh, he's absolutely. not. He's not a guy who you could look at and say eh, he didn't quite get what what you wanted, you know. And and for Larry Nance, you know, when you when you're a superstar and you're Kobe and you have that same attitude where you're not where you will max out on your ability in every possible way, you end up Kobe. And Larry Nance is going to end up one of these guys who 
plays for 15 years in the league, probably, you know, if he ends up in the right situations, wins two or three titles and, you know, is, is so widely respected in every locker room he's ever been in, um, that that's he's going to hit his max. Well, either way, he just he, he's ne- I will say this. He's never going to hit his max if he doesn't start taking more shots. That's true. He is not going to hit his max. Um, well, the confidence, I think, is real, and I'm looking forward to I that. I hope so. Um, a busy week in the NBA. It's not just the Lakers that have uh, opened up training camps and all that kind of stuff. There, since we last spoke, two major transitions, uh, transactions, I should say. Where do you want to start, Mello or Wade? Um, let's do Mello. Uh, yeah, I was going to say Mello is the That's bigger, the bigger story. one. I love this trade. <laughs> I do too. And let me tell you why I love this trade, Andy. I love this trade because I have absolutely no idea how this is going to work. Nope. I mean, they're going to be good. Like I know, like they didn't get worse for adding Carmelo Anthony to their team, but I don't know how any of this is going to work. And if you look at what they did to get him, it was such a no-brainer to oh do God. it. It was Cantor. Who was the other guy? It was Cantor. Cantor, uh, Dougie, Dougie McBuckets, D- Dougie McBuckets, and a second-round pick. Second pick. Um, of course you do. Of that. course you. <laughs> and like that's what I love about this. It's like somebody is offering you something that you're not entirely. That's a nice thing. It's like I, you know, I don't know what I'm going to do with it. It's a nice thing. I can have it for free. But now I got to figure out what you know to what do it with is? it. I mean. It, Mello was almost like a gift bag. Like, like Mello was like a yes. gift bag that a celebrity gets at a premiere. And, you know, you're talking about a celebrity that's at this premiere for a movie that he just got paid $19 million to do, and he's already rich. And he's getting this gift bag, and he's like, I don't know even what I'm supposed to do with this swag, but I'm going to keep it. Yeah. And- like, unless you're Keanu Reeves, who apparently <laughs> gives it all away. All these celebrities keep this crap, even though they don't need it. No, I, think, I thought most guys give them to, like, their assistants and stuff. Uh- that's what I always Some heard. do, some don't. Keanu's the only one don't I know. Be a, I, Clooney, I know, gives all this stuff away. Probably does. Clooney's, Clooney seems pretty solid. Man of the people. But I just, that, it's not like when Paul, when they traded for Paul George, like. My point being, though, earlier, celebs love free crap. That's true. Well, they, celebrities, does. I know, but I'm just saying. You remember when we used to work X Games and, like, at the end of everything, they'd, they'd empty the, the, the storage closets of all the old X Games yeah. swag, and we would just walk outside the trailer and with a box and with, like, the some of the ugliest bleep you've seen. Sure. Kind of wicker hats. <laughs> like, it, it, was, it was dangerous. Sure. How much people come and, and they, they will, and they'd like, oh, the shirt you're wearing, that must be free, too. It's, it's horrible. People love free things. Yeah. Doesn't matter what your income bracket is. <laughs> Just watch the T-shirt cannon. I when they saw when they when they traded for Paul George, you're like, okay, well that that is that again another one of those. We only have to give up this right. and this, but that was also hand in glove. I mean, perfect oh, yeah. guy to play next to Westbrook when the especially when the, too when they brought in Patrick Patterson. Like, right. I mean, so, they're starting five pre mellow of Westbrook, Roberson, George, Patterson, Adams, Adams. makes perfect, perfect sense. Perfect, Perfect sense. sense. You know, when when the Nuggets got Millsap, you're like, ooh, Millsap and Jokic, I like this. And you know, and now you're getting, you're basically being given Carmelo Anthony. And now you have three really high usage rate guys. And you know, we all know what Mello's what Mello's uh, shortcomings are and all that. But you know, you're you can't win if Mello's supposed to be your best player. But there's really no reason you can't win if he's supposed to be your third best player. Well, that, and on some nights, depending on how good you think Steven Adams is, Mello might not even need to be but that. See now, but this is the interesting question, is how 
How good does Mello think he has to be Correct. in the equation? Where How does, good does Paul George right. think he Which one of those guys, and this is, I was reading about, I forget, it might have been The Ringer, it might have been uh, ESPN.com, and it's something that a lot of people talked about. It's the Miami model. Which one of those guys is going to be willing to step back a little bit? Clay does it in Golden State. Bosch did it in Miami. Spurs have had, you know, name your player. Right. Done you it. can't have three guys on one team with like a 72% usage rate, which is basically what, like Westbrook was like 90 last year. Um, somebody's going to have to to give a little bit. I, I don't know what Russ looks like when he doesn't have the ball. It's going to be hard for Melo. I mean, is George going to do Somebody's got to do it. You know, it's funny. Mello was asked um, in his introductory press conference, it might have just been on media day, um, with Thunder about possibly coming off the bench, and he just started cracking up. And it's not going to happen. He's obviously going to be their starting power forward, you know, as as well he should be. But the truth is, playing Mello off the bench would make everything way easier for everyone, including Mello. It actually, I mean, and Melo could still close out a, games. There's no reason he couldn't right, close out games. Sixth man of the year. Sure. That is a terrifying prospect. Oh, well, I mean, also, Mello, too, the one thing Melo can still do is fill it up. Well, he, look, if Melo came off the bench, he'd win sixth man of the year on narrative alone. Right. Carmelo Anthony, the willingness to play off the bench, you don't even need to see how he does if he wins. <laughs> you never need to But score. I'm just saying, it's just, it's funny because, again, it's not going to happen. He's going to be the starting four, and George will be the starting three. You know, Wes, Westbrook will be the point, and they all right. have to figure Robertson it out. Guard everyone. But, but the reality is, though, it actually would make things simpler. And that's what makes this trade so intriguing is all of a sudden now they have more talent, but it's way more complicated. It's more complicated, but they have more talent and they have smart people around. And it's 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 Carmelo Anthony as your third best player. I you know, I love I I I I, I, I like Melo as much as the next guy I love is a little strong. But I like Melo and I certainly recognize his talent. I get all the stuff but like when you take when you're that he's still really good and yes. he's their third guy yeah and you know he's got to play passable defense and he's gonna have to kind of give up some of that iso whatever he's just gonna have to live with fewer touches but the flip side of this could be when when playing with who is mellow ever played with that's as good as the guys he's playing with now if you go back to denver i would say it depends on how good you think chauncey billups was. okay it, it but depends on how. Certainly not in New York. Zamare was a shell. I mean, for shell-ish. most of that time, he, he was he was transforming into a shell. Right. He was emptying it, himself out. Right. And I guess in Denver, it really depends. Porzingis, on, I guess. Yeah, but, but Porzing, Porzingis is still figuring out as who we've he talked is. about. I, I think I guess it's I guess it's Chauncey. So, but it's, will you, so we can agree, Paul George and Russell Westbrook are better than anybody he's ever played. Yes, with. absolutely. When Durant went to the Warriors, this is part of the reason I picked him for my fantasy team, his efficiency went through the roof because suddenly he was getting not just open shots, but easy shots. And, you know, there's a possibility that Mello could put up numbers, at least in terms of efficiency, if not raw numbers, but efficiency numbers that are light years beyond Iverson anything. Iverson could be the other guy. That- okay. Iverson or Chauncey was for, Iverson for still Iverson? I mean, I, I, I'm just I'm, all yeah, the stuff. Still, my, still Iverson good. was still good in Denver, and that wasn't a long term thing, though. No, it wasn't a long term. I would say long term, probably Chauncey. You could maybe make the argument for Iverson. Okay, but none of those. But at those points in their career, none of no. them were better than Russell. So no. agreed. It is very possible that Mello could have this 
total renaissance as a player at 33 years old or whatever, it is also possible that this whole thing could be an incredibly awkward fit and relatively speaking, kind of a disaster. Yeah, it's it's what I think we're going to see. I mean, to to some degree, Paul George, but especially with Melo and Russ, is you're really going to learn what these guys want as players. Yeah, absolutely. Like you're really going to learn what they want when they're on the court, what they want their careers to be, because they have something in front of them that is a really, really good opportunity. And I feel like, I mean, I, I felt before they even added Melo, just because, again, you know, with, with George and Patrick Patterson, everything fits so well. I'm like, I think these guys have a chance to be the second-best team in the West. Yeah. I mean, defensively, too. I, I mean, it's a major upgrade with George and Patterson over what they had before. Yes. And, and if Westbrook tries, then you're in good shape. And now, and now, again, offensively, they could be an absolute nightmare. Even if you think that Roberson and Adams makes them playing three-on-five, Against a lot of offenses, at least four that's a, on five. That's a hell. Adams isn't totally incompetent. Sure, but I'm just Roberson saying, is. But. Sure, but let's just say you you don't consider Adams a real threat. Let's just say you don't. That's a hell of a three that you have to keep up with. Right, and you have three guys who require double. And teams. how many teams, other than I guess the one that that is just won the title, have five guys on the floor who can score at any exact time? Exactly. So, so I think I think you're, it's going to be a really interesting experiment. Also, just into the psyche of. Of three A-list players, but two in Mello and Russ that can be as headstrong mm-hmm. and at times I think as difficult to sort of understand. And it's, I think it's going to be fascinating I, to I'm watch. So, I'm so, like we said when we started talking, I love that this happened. Yes. And, you know, this is – there are negative effects of the Warriors and what they've done to the league in the sense that, uh, to some degree – the entire season, including the playoffs, is sort of a sham because we know who's going to win. And unless you just love basketball, right? Despite right, despite everything that's that's every team has been doing this incredible arms race all summer, and it's been an amazing summer. The Warriors are still so much better than everyone, yes, they and are. they got better than they were last and year. And they have continuity, right? They basically, they continuity, brought back everybody. They brought back everybody. Added Caspi, who's going to help them. Added Nick Young, who's going to help them. I realize that sounds weird to Lakers fans, but he's going to be a big help for them. Um, to the extent that they even need him to play. this The Warriors and what they've done has forced Houston to go get Chris Paul. They've, you know, they, they, they to, for Oklahoma City to load up in a year where Westbrook could theoretically leave. To, to have Boston and Cleveland trade with each other. With each other, to try to figure out a way to do this. You know, Boston sort of loading up, uh, Cleveland kind of trying to figure out a way to make this you know something do something with lebron and we'll get to that in a second with what they just did like everybody is trying you have to play in this arms race if you're one of these teams that's already good and you have nowhere to go but what well, we can't tear it down you know we're we're here we gotta go you know minnesota loading up you know for a, a couple year run with jimmy butler and carl anthony towns and all this stuff well, it's ultimately what Toronto decided. Ultimately, Toronto decided when they brought back Lowry and they and they made these decisions. Like we're too good to tear. We don't yes. even know how to tear this down. Right. What do we do? Like, we're we're kind of all in. So tearing can... it down would be more complicated. Right. Than and just Toronto back was Lowry. actually Toronto was one of the teams that probably did the weakest job of making sure. themselves better. But you're right. That's why they, it's like we're here. We got to get better. So Oklahoma like City, you and I thought the here, Cli- we you and I better. thought the Clippers should have blown it all up. But that's because they were moving in that potential direction. With Chris Paul leaving and Blake a potential free agent, then it's right. like, okay, you know what? You can do this clean if you want. Right, and they're going the wrong way. I, I I think the Clippers, if they're healthy, could be a good team. But we're talking about Blake Griffin being healthy all year long. He's starting the year or Gallinari. unhealthy. Gallinari 
being healthy all year long. I mean, all of these are things that have never happened. Right. Um, and so it, on paper, the depth that the Clippers have added with Williams and Decker and like they've their, their problem last year was in part you get past their big three and they don't have very many players. Big three and Reddick. Right. And I think Beverly is a is a very helpful player for that. Sure. He's not Chris Paul, but he's gonna do some things that 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 I don't think the drop off is so dramatic from from those guys, given everybody else they put, that they're gonna go from what were they were, fifty whatever fifty wins, whatever, to thirty six. No. They're still a, a mid forty. But they're team, moving in the wrong direction. But they're going the wrong way, so you could argue to blow it up. I just it 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 is this is the positive thing that the Warriors have made them do. So I like that. Uh let's look at the Wade thing. Uh, Wade to Cleveland. LeBron very excited. Yes, he is. Um I don't know how much better Wade's going to make him, but then like you look at it last year and like it was such it was it was as bad of, of a setup as it could have possibly been in Chicago. It was terrible. Everything about it. He still averaged 19 points yeah. a game. He can still like play. Like Dwayne, Dwayne Wade doesn't suck. Like no, if you think he, he sucks, not. you're wrong. He does not. And he's going to be in a much happier situation. I know like the entire Bulls team grew miserable as the season went along. You know, I've talked with I've talked with people who cover the team and and Wade was not I think a really positive force in that locker room particularly no, as things went not. along. But I think it'll be different in this locker room. I think he's going to be happy. It's a especially with Kyrie gone. I think it's a happier locker room to join up with to begin with. Nobody's going to f with Dwayne Wade. I mean, even the guy, you know, even the guys on that team with rings, they're not made men in the way no. Dwayne Wade is. And it's and this is another situation where it's a strange roster. Also, too, like I him and and Derek Rose. Well, this and, is what I, this is what I actually think. Um, if if I'm the Cavs, I at least consider this. I'd make Wade the point guard. I would actually make Wade the point guard on that team. Instead of uh, as the starting point guard, instead of trying to either play him and Rose alongside each other, or trying to figure out how to make Derrick Rose the point guard that he really isn't, I would make Rose your sixth man, yeah, and have and have Wade it. run yeah. your offense alongside Jr. And you put some shooting around Jr. and and you know the good news for Cleveland, I mean, is, some shooting around Wade right. who, who needs it. The good news for Cleveland is that they have forty games figured out. Yeah, with Rose, with how does it work with Rose? How does it work with Wade? How does how much can you play these guys and keep them healthy? Where exactly yeah. are you putting Crowder in right. the equation? Yeah. What do you do when Isaiah Crowder's going to make a big difference? What do you do when Isaiah comes back? Right, because we forget about that too. He's not going to be there at the beginning, but he's hopefully going to be there at the end. I really hope so because I love it. Um, that's a that's a kind of a cool team. Yeah, like that team's fun, and then they get in the playoffs, and you know, hopefully, they figured out because. A LeBron-led team with Dwayne Wade there as well, and all that does not care if they're the fourth seed in the no, East. If it they shouldn't, if it takes thirty-five games of them making sure everybody, there's going to be a lot more management of players. You know, despite what Adam Silver wants this year with with Cleveland, there's been in years past. Um, they've got time to figure out. Boston's got time to figure it out with that. You know, new roster. You know, the turnover there has been incredible. That's going to be a fun team. I'm. It's, this is going to be a great season. I'm very. I'm more excited about this season than last season when it seemed like fewer things could happen. Um, one quick thing about LeBron, though. When he was talking that that Anthony, you heard the thing when he was talking about Kyrie. Yes, this was on my notes of things I wanted to go through on this show. Four. I was it like four times in a minute. He called him the kid. The kid. But also, he kept mentioning that uh, he would he would have given he was ready to give Kyrie the, the keys. keys when Kyrie was ready. 
Right. Well, the kid, like, like the kids, you know, like you do give the kid the family car. Right. When like they're that. when they've uh, gotten their driver's license and when they look like a good enough driver, and their grades are good. And what struck what struck me as really interesting about that about that comment, I don't think LeBron is lying when he said that. But really what he was saying was, I'm going to give Kyrie the keys when he's readier than me, which is never likely going to happen as long as we're teammates. It's like what you you and I used to bang this drum all the time, the one year Dwight was with the Lakers, when you would hear all these people, you know, smart people, talk about how, you know, Dwight needs to demand the torch. You know, like he needs to demand that passage of torch from Kobe. And it's always like, it's not a real torch. It's not a real torch. It's not an actual torch. And Kobe ain't giving it to No, him. the torch belongs to Kobe until Kobe decides somebody else is ready for it, and somebody else is going to be ready for it when Kobe was off the team. Right. And we know this because Kobe didn't pass the damn torch when he was a shell of himself, right. much less when it's Dwight was on the team. Torching. <laughs> Torchness. <laughs> Doesn't uh, really should be a ceremony, but <laughs> torchness. No, people used to treat this like you know you would have like two people sit down with paperwork and like a notary, right? And like, and, like we'd one have guy a, would be a ceremony, fo- right? And, and like you know Kobe would have formally signed the torch over to Dwight. Right. To- Here's your torch. It has. Please nothing, enjoy. It has. It's not. Dwight could have become three times the player no. Kobe was. It's still Kobe's been a made Kobe's man on universe. that team. You're not getting that torch from him. And so, you know, I I understood. I mean, I got it, but I understood if I'm Kyrie, as much, I mean, we're not Kyrie guys, neither no. one of us. No. But that must have been infuriating. If he's saying that stuff to the press, you know he's been dropping shade like that at him. Kyrie, I get it. He's young. He's, you know, not nearly as accomplished as LeBron, but he's been in the league, what, like six years at this point? He's averaged like almost thirty points a game, whatever it is. He is and he is well established in this league as a, as an outstanding player. He is not the kid anymore. That is absolute look, LeBron look, we, look, shade that he I mean, passive aggressive classic LeBron shade. I mean, look, we we used to see this all the time with Bynum, and when Bynum was you know very obviously angling for a bigger role. And there was this tendency to think of Bynum as the kid because he was younger than everybody. And, and I'm not saying that, like, Kobe would use that type of lingo in a condescending way towards Drew. But there was this way that we all used to think of Drew as the kid when in reality it's like, look, he's been in the league like six or seven years, and he's clearly ready for a primary role. If he was on any other when, team in the league, when the Bynum Lakers, would be at worst the second option. When the Lakers made the pow trade. They were in first place. Nobody remembers this. The Lakers were in first place in the Western Conference, and they were there because Bynum was destroying people. Right. Um, So, and it also, by by the way, it also made me think about how, you know, there's this expectation, this narrative that LeBron is going to end up a Laker, which you're kind of going the direction I want to go. Which raises the question of if that ends up happening, whose guys, (laughs) whose guys. Are the Lakers? Well, James Jones will be season. on the staff somewhere because you can't go. You know anywhere. what I mean? Because like, right. the the focal point of every team, always his teammates. You know that those are my guys, right? You know, I can't wait. Well, for I mean, this is why the Lakers made the play to Wade. I mean, they knew full well he wasn't coming here, but you know, 
if by chance he was willing to be, play a mentor role, it just makes it that much easier. Then he can sell LeBron on coming here. It makes perfect sense. But actually, the, the, the last question I wanted to get into were, with both of these things was how does this affect the Lakers? Because Melo going to Oklahoma City in theory makes them better. Um, but all three of them can be gone next year. Melo can opt out. George can opt out. Russ could just not, sign, could just not sign his extension. And so all of them could be gone. Theoretically, all of them could come here. They could play really well and decide, I love it here, and stay there. And there's we talked to Lee Jenkins about this last week. There's something about that atmosphere in Oklahoma City that could very well appeal. I'll tell to you. Paul I mean, George. you and I have both covered games there. It's it's phenomenal. amazing. And Paul George is from I mean, he's he's talks about L.A. He's from Palmdale, right? He, he's, he's a, a small he's town a, guy. He likes to fish. go fishing. And so you know, there's there's it is possible that, that appeals to him and he wants to stay. Mellow in Oklahoma City long term, don't know. But if the team's really good, all all these different things can happen. You know, was that trade good for the Lakers? No. I don't think so. No, it was not good for the Lakers. Um, I mean, unless, unless the Thunder are just a freaking disaster. But, by the way, not in, it has to be a disaster, but all three of them have to get along. Right. Like, all three of those guys have to get along, or at least two out of the three. Where they're, they're have, all going, like, I will do anything to stop playing with Steven Adams. Well, I hate that guy. Yeah, I mean, they, they have to all really get along on a team that's absolutely disastrous, so at least two of the three will come together to the mm-hmm. Lakers. It has to be a very specific disaster. Now, Cleveland getting better, on the other hand, theoretically, I think is completely and totally irrelevant. I don't think it matters. I think if if LeBron wins another title, he can absolutely walk oh, yeah. away from there. If that team can't get over the hump, and it becomes clear like there's just there's not enough wrong, we don't have the flex, but he can he can do whatever he wants, right? And he's going to do whatever he wants. I don't think it matters as nearly as much with how good Cleveland gets. I would agree as it does with teams in completely the Western agree. Conference. Completely agree. Um, all right, one last thing before we go. Uh, you may have, Andy, noticed that there's been some protesting in the NFL. Yes. Um, and all the protesting in the NFL has somewhat obscured one of the things that got everybody all riled up in the first place, which was Trump disinviting Steph Curry from the a White House visit. The whole Warriors <laughs> team. Take. And then the the Warriors and then the Warriors said, we don't want to go anywhere. They actually really, I mean, and Trump, Trump actually really did the Warriors the a favor. Penguins. He actually did the Warriors a huge favor because I think they wouldn't have ended up going but there's politicking that well, comes. Andrew Bogut would have gone. <laughs> Bogut. Well, Bogut well, he wasn't was, there. He wasn't no, there. No, he wasn't he was there. Wasn't Bogut there. would not have you gone. You know what? He'd gone anyway. No, they, again, I have I have solved this for the NBA. As long as Trump is our president, every year they're just going to send Spencer Hawes <laughs> as a representative of the exactly. NBA. It doesn't matter what team he's playing for. It doesn't even matter just, if Spencer Hawes is in the league. Just I'm not even him. sure. No, he just got waved, uh, stretched just by somebody. It's fine. You send, you send Spencer Hawes. As the representative of whatever team. Right. And then it works out perfectly. Um, But, I mean, really, Trump did the Warriors a favor because even if they would have done which I think everybody expected, which is not go, it's still – it's awkward not to go. And Trump actually just took the decision out of their hands. Yeah. And it it, it was, you know, demeaning and condescending and all these other things. But the the larger question really becomes (laughs) – Didn't see that coming. No, I I would have expected him to handle it in a very mature way. (laughs) Um, I mean, he doesn't really have anything else on his plate. No. <laughs> Nothing really going yeah, it's on. It's important to tackle this. <laughs> Nothing really going so, on. So the, the larger you – know, this is going – who goes to the White House is going to be one of these things that, that is 
you know, the, the, the White House visit for championship teams, who stays, who goes, whatever. I mean, the Penguins are coming, but are, is everyone going to go? Talk about your I mean, jokes that write themselves. They're all Canadians, <laughs> but he's not like he's super popular up there either. Um, but it, the larger thing that comes up, I think, is just the distinction between the NFL and the NBA. And then the question of what happens in the NBA this year, because... The NBA, unlike the NFL, actually does have a rule about yes. kneeling. You are It's written down. You're supposed to stand at attention during the anthem and all this stuff. Adam Silver has said we expect our players to stand, but with a lot of wiggle room in there about kind of also respecting their ability to express themselves and supporting the The NBA is a very progressive league. In very that progressive in that regard. And... Guys are going to come up with stuff to do, and I don't know exactly what it's going to be. Um, they may not need to kneel in the same way in the NFL or in the NBA because the stars themselves and the coaches themselves ha- are, are so outspoken that the, the, the act of kneeling may not be necessary. And they might do something else to show solidarity, wear some, whatever it might be. LeBron can just go to the podium as he did on Media Day and as he did on Twitter, and say what he wants about the president. He doesn't have to in social justice and all this stuff. You bum. The the level at which, the freedom at which the the people in that culture, because of the demographics, because of the way that NBA players are stars and the power that they have within their own league that that outstrips anything that, that the NFL has, they they're... It doesn't. I, I have, I've come to the conclusion that it does not matter if they are "quote unquote" allowed to kneel. Well, I mean, look, you're, you're, it goes beyond the players. I mean, you're seeing it from coaches around the league who have a lot of juice within their organization. Is there? Can you imagine any scenario in which an NFL coach would have lit up Trump like Steve Kerr or Greg Popovich did, uh, or Stan Van Gundy, Stan Van Gundy. or Doc Rivers? But I mean, like, the, the, just I'm just Pete thinking. Carroll. Just I'm thinking. Just Pete Carroll. maybe Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll is the one that comes to mind. That I can picture, and he put out a statement. Yes, he did, and but it still wasn't. I mean, I could pick. Pop he, went on well, a, well, a monologue. Yes, and it's not the first time. No, it's not, and it's it's worth. If you haven't seen it, you should go and find it. It's not hard to find. Um, but no NFL coach would do that. No, and Peter Holt is a Trump. Yes, donor. he is. Yes, he is. And I love Pop's response. Like, you know, did you get permission? You know, I'm an American. I don't need the permission of my boss. <laughs> Plus, I'm also Craig Popovich, the American. <laughs> right. It, helps, uh, it does help that I am this particular American. I'm an American that happens to be Greg right. Popovich. That happens to be the single best basketball coach on the on the planet. So, no. Right. <laughs> right. No, I, I did not ask for his permission. <laughs> it does help. When he you says, know. no, I'm an American, it does help. Yeah. You have to put the parents out Sparky, you know, right. coaching in the Eastern Conference, <laughs> right. might have asked for right. permission. Yeah, not, I didn't ask. For I don't permission. do that. Um, it does help. It is unsaid. <laughs> have you met me before? Yeah, <laughs> like, I, that should have been his. I'd like to remind you that I am Greg Popovich, but you know, the, Steve Kerr, kind of the same kind of thing. But the point, larger point, never would have happened in the NFL. No, never. Now, I will say this, and I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to tell guys, particularly predominantly black athletes, how to you know the proper way to protest. You know. Racial inequality, you know, police brutality against you know color community of, communities of color things. I mean, I, I certainly don't want to white splain this to a bunch of people. <laughs> I don't. I hope that if people, if NBA players, make some type of gesture or statement during the anthem, I hope they move away from the arms locked. 
I don't like the arms lock because I think it sends a message that isn't what's actually being protested. Oh, the, just the unity yes. thing. Yes. Yeah. I don't like I mean, it. I, I, Bomani, uh, I Bomani Jones I actually... It, in the context of this weekend, which is now last weekend, particularly in the NFL, it made sense because that was a gesture of solidarity between everyone sure. saying, I, you know, Jerry Jones saying, I understand what these guys are saying, and you can't, or at the very least, you can't call my, my players SOBs. that. SOBs. And imply that they don't do anything in their community and all that kind of sure. stuff. Um, with but, that, but I will seen, stand with them. But we've seen the arm, we've seen the arms locked before. I mean, we saw it even yeah, in no, the NFL and the NBA. And I, I think it was Bomani who said this. Uh, Bomani Jones, whether um, on his radio show or where you know Bomani's wherever Bomani does these things. And he he noted that the arms locked thing. You're starting to move into kind of like an all lives mattering of these protests because what is the message trying to be trying to be displayed and trying to be you know generated through these protests is not unity it's a very specific well sure protest against you know varying Mm -hmm. forms of systemic racism in america and you know messaging is important in protests and this particular thing that began with colin kaepernick it's had a lot of difficulty keeping the messaging on point and my concern with the arms lock thing, as much as I think it's nice, is that you you have a chance. There's a chance that you're diluting the message, or uh, yeah, you're I mean, muddling. There's it. no. Again, I'm not telling guys how to do this. Right. The, it's the, just my hope. The issue with these protests, generally, and all protests, I think for so we're like we're both from St. Louis, which has been literally, you know, between you know. Uh, uh, varying degrees of, of of protest to riot, depending on who you're talking to, um, for I think 13 straight days, 12 straight days. But as we tape this, it's been going on for a while. It's it's you know the, the I, I was reading about this yesterday. The, the disabled community is excellent at at sort of targeted, very specific. This is what we want. The problem with social justice protests is you're protesting a problem that to me undeniably deserves light to be to be shined on it but it's very it's it's hard to say like as a group i want this is the policy prescription that i'm advocating and that i want it's a very difficult thing like this you know, if, if there were ten, five, three or four th- police reform or whatever, I, I don't know exactly because police multi. Well, because policing is different in every community. But it's also too. It's it's a it's a really really multi layered right. problem. And so that's and about. that gets to that. That's why it always you you have problem with messaging, and you also have trouble answering the what comes next question. And I think where the NBA, just to kind of wrap it back up and finish it up, where the NBA I think will be more effective than the NFL, is that the 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 most important people in that league or many of the most important people in that league are people who are are now willing to talk about these things in ways that doesn't that don't that will get the attention that will make the message undeniably clear and won't necessarily even require the under in my mind understandably um complicated messaging of kneeling during the anthem. I'll tell you this if there's one thing that's come out in the last couple of years in the NBA and you know during this period where you know sports and politics have really really mixed we've learned there are a lot of guys in the NBA 
really good at talking about this stuff. Do they know? I mean, I mean, but I mean, but it's one thing to know it; it's another thing to be good at talking about it. Yeah, and, I, and there are a lot of guys in the league who are Trump just did, very to good some at degree. It. And obviously, there are people who have been who are never going to get past the. You know, you're protesting the anthem, you're protesting the flag. But to some degree, Trump revitalized the focus on, wait, what exactly are we talking about here? And there's been an, a, a renewed push on, wait, why are, why are these protests happening? I mean, there was, I think it was four four guys, five guys or something protested the week before in the NFL before Trump spoke. Now, 200 and whatever, and we're talking about it again. Um, you know, it, it, he, he may have done that movement a bit of a favor in that regard. Um, but I am... Can't say I'm looking forward to what what what's coming, but it may ultimately work out for for people in a positive way. Um, all right, we'll be back next week. We'll be playing games, Andy. We'll have games to talk be about. Exciting preseason opens this Saturday. Very good. All right, see everybody next week.